I was gonna rip his heart out. I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion that's ever been. Yeah, yeah, we knew I was the A side. Dosser. He's a Dosser. One Dosser, that's all he is. Yeah, one good Dosser. Okay, so uh, welcome to the podcast, Chris. Thanks for agreeing to do the interview. Um, it was a it was a funny one, wasn't it? So my mate Jazz, he works as yeah. an optometrist. He's testing yeah. your eyes. Are your eyes all right? Yeah, they're all good. They're they're all good, man. They're all good. So we're all good and ready to fight now. So yeah, yeah you got that I, laser vision, yeah. Get, um, yeah, we have we have to get that eye test as fighters every year, every literally every single year. So. It was funny how I bumped into him and, and he saw on the sheet that my manage my manager's Dillian White. So um yeah, but it's all good, it's all love. Yeah, that's good. He's like Dillian White, and then he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I'm gonna ask um, my mate does a podcast, I'm gonna ask him if he can do an interview. I think he's a little bit nervous, yeah. so shout out to Jazz. <laughs> yeah, big him up, man. So um so for those that don't know, Chris Congo is a boxer hailing from South London. Managed by Dillian yeah. White, promoted by Eddie Hearn on Matchroom Boxing. And you're currently the WBO Global Welterweight title holder. So you've got some some yes. silverware around your waist, yeah? Of course, of course. And you're about I've got to, go I've got to say, yeah, you, you know, when I heard you were coming on the pod, all I've had in my head is, welcome to the Congo, bruv. <laughs> <laughs> That's just it's catchy. It's so the, catchy. The, the, the tune's coming up, man. Two of my mates that actually... Um, uh, jumped on the beat and made the song for me so yeah it's gonna be big um, and I'm trying to get it hopefully I'm trying to get it on, on, on all the music platforms so you guys can shazam it while it's uh, playing in the back so fingers crossed that gets done man is that is well, that gonna be the ring walk then yeah for sure for sure <laughs> all I'd say is that no disrespect to Lawrence Akoli but you gotta one up Akoli on his tune yeah because he's good but I think mm-hmm. I think you, you guys can do better man Oh, of course, of course, <laughs> I believe so. So, so we're going to talk a little bit about your journey, how you got into boxing, where you are now, and um, and all of that. But before we get into it, we'll do some quick fire questions, right? So, we'll see what your answer is. I'm going to do a mixture of yeah. like boxer v boxer, and then a few other bits. So, um, Hagler or Leonard? Uh, Leonard all day. Sugar Ray Leonard. That's my. That's the best on the planet bar from me is him first then <laughs> so I'm a big Sugar Ray fan I love his fighting style and for me um, Sugar Ray all day okay okay Ali or Frazier Ali fly, float like a butterfly sting like a bee for a heavyweight the movement was was impeccable there's already a theme developing here. I think I can already sense something. All right, mate. Um, Ali or Tyson? Ali, all day. You know, <laughs> um, like I said, the movement is great. Uh, Mayweather or Pacquiao? Floyd Mayweather, of course. Money May. Uh, yeah, defense, yeah. Um, defense king. It's got to be him. It's the this the slickness. So the slickness of these boxes are coming through, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I can see where your name comes from now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Joshua or Fury? See, that's a difficult one. I've I've seen both of them growing up, um, and I've, I'm watching both of them now as a pro. I'm looking at Fury, thinking 
it, it's going to be hard for Joshua to get to him. But I'm thinking for Joshua, if he lands the shot, um, Fury could go down. So I'm on the fence. But if I had a gun to my head, I'm going for Fury. Yeah, I think that's kind of most people's um, most people's view. I think you summed up most people's view. I think that's what I think, yeah. to, be, to be honest, as well. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, Congo or McKinson? Congo, all day, every day. <laughs> it's happening. He's getting knocked out. I'm coming for the win. It's my time. And this is the, the, the Luther Clay. I believe the Luther Clay fight was, was an introduction. And this fight is the breakthrough. And obviously, I'm even walking out to the song Welcome to the Congo. So it all it all aligns together. Stars you know? are aligning. 100 percent Favorite power punch? The hook, the right hand, or the uppercut? Or, or another one? Oh, you know what? I love a left hook now, you know. Um, I think that's my favorite power punch so far. Even though I'm right-handed and I do I do hit people and hurt them with a right hand, but left hook is just wonderful. Yeah, Hussein's is the left to the body, isn't it? That's that's mm-hmm. the one. Captain yeah. Hook, bro. Captain Hook. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite post-fight meal. Well, after post-fight meal, after ah, it's got to be a Hakasan. You know, got in high grade. That's, that's bougie, bro. That's bougie. Yeah, man. It's got 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 to have one. You know, it's got to be done. <laughs> uh, worst part of training? Making weight. Yeah, I'd hate to be... That's the only yeah, reason I'd hate to be a boxer, man. Just making no, it weight. Is. It's not... It's, for me, making weight is cool. It's always the last two kilos, the last five pounds is always the hardest. Everything else is pretty easy for me. Like... I was, I was like, on five weeks before the fight, I was like 10 pounds over my fight limit, which is close. You know what I mean? That was five weeks out. Yeah. Um, if I'm honest, I was only five weeks out just in case Josh Kelly pulled out or something was to happen. So if they make the call, I would have been there on standby, ready, answer the phone. But um, yeah, it's got to be making weight. Yeah, yeah. What, what, are, your, what are your top... Top tips, what are the big things you do to make that weight? I just run, bro. I don't use no sweatsuit. I don't wear no plastic bags. Um, I run with layers or I might run with a jacket um, with my hat on. And um, long runs, long distance, slow, slow pace, get the weight off and just drinking water. That's that's my that's um, my remedy of it. And obviously eating good, they're the, they're the main things for me, man. That's how I get down to weight easy. Yeah, and how 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 far before the fight are you making weight? Are you literally like last minute, just before the weigh-in, shedding the last couple of you know ounces, or are you kind of well prepared before the weigh-in? Uh, I'm well prepared. I'm well prepared. So even now, I'm good. I'm like five pounds away right now. So it's okay. going to be the hardest part. But really and truly, if I could make, lose the five pounds by, by this Saturday, and then I have nothing to worry about. You know what I mean? So I'll be good, man. It's easy. Yeah. What's the best part of training? Best part of training? Sparring. If there was any <laughs> anything else, if, if you had to pick one thing to do, I would just spar all day long. That's the best thing of training. 
Yeah, yeah. And if you if you weren't a boxer, what would you be? Mm-hmm. Only God knows. Till this day, I try to think what, but I'm not too sure what I would be. Yeah, it's like one of those things where you've been doing it for so long, so you have no idea what else you would do, right? So, mm-hmm. of course, a box. Okay, so that's the quick fire questions out of the way. Um, maybe do you want to talk a little bit about where you where you grew up, um, kind of how it was like for you and how you kind of got into boxing, like the early days of you getting into boxing. Mm, yeah, the early days. I started at Fisher Amateur Boxing Club. Um, I started there. My two brothers uh, started before me. So, um, yeah, they basically brought me into the sport. And then I had my first my first bout when I was 11. And then ever since then, I just kept pushing on. And, um, yeah, got to the GB squad when I was around 20, 21. And then come on later on, turn pro at, like, around... 22 to 20, no, 10 pro at like 23, 24. And um, yeah, the journey's just been that so far, man. So what, what we were going to talk a little bit about was how does someone like you, a boxer like you, get picked up and then, you know, to the position where you are, like, you know, promoted by matchroom boxing. So how do you, do you get, what does the process look like for an amateur boxer? Is it that you go to your gym, you go to your local gym, you start boxing, you take it up as a hobby, and then you kind of get scouted or your trainer puts you forward to some sort of tournament and then it just builds from there? How does it work? Um, I mean, the process, let me start from like the schoolboy errors. So the process is basically winning a national title. So once you win a national title, you then progress and then you move to senior level when you win the ABAs, you get, or even if you get to the final of the ABAs, you get selected for Team GB. But then after that, going pro, unless a big promoter is interested in you, you just have to turn pro with any sort of manager you can get your hands on. Any any guy um, yeah. that you know that you think at the time can take you places, have a speak with a few people, and then um, go from there. Sign with them, then they go and look for a promoter for you and then you go from there so um that's really the process and i guess the the decision making as well i guess it's a big decision to go pro right like who was involved mm-hmm. with that like you seem like a family man did you did you speak to your family a lot to make that decision or who else was involved of course i spoke to my brother my eldest brother elvis because he was a pro himself so he knew the right people to call he knew who to go to and stuff so I spoke with him and he just aligned you with the right people. And, and what did your parents think about you going pro? Um, they weren't really too keen. They was on the education stuff. Um, they really wanted me to get my studies going on and really graduate from university, but <laughs> I had other plans. Yeah. And I guess they're, they're just looking out for like you, right? So that there's a, there's a, how do you balance? Like obviously at that point, like you must have been, I don't know, how old were you when you turned pro? 23, 24, I'd say. 23, yeah. 24. So that's difficult yeah. for like some boxers to juggle boxing, which is doesn't always pay a lot, right? In the in the yeah. early days yeah. and, and, early and a job. Like were you were you working at the time? And what was the decision? Were you like, you know, I'm not might not be earning much, but I, I really like this boxing, you know, there's a prospect in here. So, you know, I'm gonna sacrifice something for to pursue that. Um, I think at the start, when I started off, um, 
I was all right because I had a manager that would help me out with any expenses that I had. And um, yeah, so I had a manager. And then obviously at that time, he couldn't really push me and get to the place that I really wanted to be. So I had to leave him to go with someone else. And then I had to get a job after that for a while. I know I had a few good mates who, who would help me out and put me in good positions where I could work and earn some money. But then now uh, I signed with Dillian White and they 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 are there to offer uh, me support as well financially, um, not just uh, with the management, but they offer me a lot of support as well. But um, now, obviously, I'm going up in the rankings. Um, uh, I'm I'm able to look after myself. Yeah, yeah, it must be tough. Like for some, because not you know you need that break, right? You got the break with Dillian. You know, some others get the break with other management companies, promotional companies. But if you don't get that break, it must be quite quite difficult because it's not like there's no formal system like there is for football or cricket or any other sports it's kind of like you kind of just fall into it right of course of course it's crazy <laughs> um so you're trained by G- jimmy mack is that right jimmy mack yeah jimmy, jimmy mcdonald i'm trained by him what's it like working with him jimmy and McDonald. is he your like has he been has he trained you since you were an amateur or is this a recent collaboration no, this was this this collaboration has been going on for a few years now. So I started off with um, with Ted Bami, and then uh, I went to after that I went to um, train with Shane, but um, things didn't align at the time. So I, I I went off to train with Jimmy Mack, and then that started. And it's only now during the pandemic and stuff um, I start training with. Um, I start training with Jimmy Mack and then I bring Ted into the camp as well. So Ted is the, now the assistant coach and Jimmy Mack is the head coach who you will see next Saturday. And um, yeah, team's going strong, very strong. And, and in terms of like fight strategy, like who who leads mm-hmm. that? Is that you or is that is that Jimmy? Like how does that work? That's um, Jimmy. So he leads that um they watch the opponents. I'll probably watch the opponent once and that's it. And then the rest after that is just focusing on myself, thinking what I need to do to beat this guy, not what he he's going to do. It's what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's the thing between... And that's my view. I'm not, you know, I don't box, but... You know, you look at if you're focusing, you can only do that. You can only focus on your strengths, right? If you start thinking about their strengths and their weaknesses and how to counteract that, you get into a slippery slope mm-hmm. of kind of not really understanding what your own strengths are. So I think that's probably key, isn't it? Working on what you've got to do. To of be, course, of course. For your opponent. Yeah. Um, so you, before you turned pro, you were in the ABA finals and am I right? You lost to Josh Kelly, right? Yeah, yeah. And that, how, how, has, how have you sort of viewed his trajectory going in now? You know, he obviously had his loss to David Avanassian, but there's, there's something there, right? You're here, you're where you are now. There's potentially, mm-hmm. you know, a nice story around that and that could, could result in a good fight if we were able to see it. Yeah, of course. I'm still up for that fight. Um, it was a good fight back then. Um, yeah, it was in his hometown. I, I just... Uh, I I I done what I had to do, you know. I made sure yeah. I, I went there, had a good camp, and I performed. But obviously, he he was the better man that night. So, hats off to him. But I'm ready to take the rematch now. 
how would you how would you approach that rematch because it's like he's got that unorthodox style right he's he's a bit slippery you know you're quite slick but he has he's a little bit unorthodox like that would you do you have a view on how you'd approach that fight if you have a rematch with him yeah of course um i think the main thing what david avenician has has done was uh, apply apply some pressure you know pressure. and yeah when it gets to them later around you can get on top so It'll be more than that. Technically, as well, we'll be working on some things that we see that he didn't do in um, in that fight. Add it to our style, and we'll mix it up together. But yeah, that's only when the time comes I'll, I'll be able to know. Yeah, even Avanasi was just all over him, and that was just that was just crazy the way he was just all up in his face every time he made a mistake. Right? That's of what course. that's what won it for him. I think Avanasi just used his pure condition you know he's got he's got boxing ability I think he'd come in and he knew he would get tired so he just use his pure brute strength and, and conditioning for this fight and I think Kelly lost a bit of discipline didn't he dropping his hands on that as I think someone mm -hmm. like yourself who finishes strong could deal with that yeah yeah for yeah. sure for sure I mean you don't do um the Philly show in the sense of the ring trying to back someone up in the Philly show you don't do that as a fighter even other fighters know that so yeah he, he, he lost discipline in that fight yeah yeah well coming on to more recent sort of fights and, and what you've been doing recently obviously your last fight was against uh, Luther Clay that was a, there was a good build up to that and I liked what, I'm not, mm -hmm. what I like about you is you're not afraid of the trash talk you're not afraid of putting, putting yourself out there so that was good to watch but um, mm -hmm. how much how much did you learn from that fight like because that was your biggest test I guess to date right because yeah, his big sure. name, um, undefeated at the time. So that was your biggest, mm -hmm. biggest win, I reckon. And um, yeah, how, what did you learn and how much that win mean? Uh, that win that win meant a lot to me because I'd been out for so long. So I come back and I was very nervous for the fight. But I said, listen, it's do or die in there. You've got to take this with both hands. And uh, that's what I've done. So, yeah, I mean, what, what can I say now? I'm on a roll. When they mention these guys' names, they don't forget Chris Congo now. Um, my name is in the mix, which that's what I've always wanted to be. But you know what they say, timing is everything. Certain times you have to wait your turn. And like I said, I believe um, now is my turn to go up in the rankings, to push. Um, I've been working hard every day. And um, yeah, we're going to see that next week, Saturday, for sure. Um, but yeah, Luther yeah. Clay is still a good opponent, a lot tougher than I thought. Um, he wouldn't go down without a fight. And yeah, man, it, it was a good yeah. fight for me. Yeah, it was tough. I was watching, um, what I noticed, what you did was you kind of, on the, you were fainting the jab a lot. And mm -hmm. he would, he would, he would bring his right hand up and he would, he would yeah. be looking to counter, you'd like to catch that jab. And then the way you knocked him mm -hmm. out was obviously a left hook. So you fainted the jab mm -hmm. and you kind of caught him with mm -hmm. a left hook. Because it was exposed. Like that's that's smart boxing. Like it was good to see, you know, a knockout like that. How much of that sort of stuff is is you versus the strategy from Jimmy Mack and, and the training coaches, right? How much of that kind of tactics is is uh, is you? Uh, um, pretty much is like a 50-50 thing, you know. A lot of yeah. the stuff we work on is not just me, but it's with with both of the coaches and there were things we was actually working on. And what's crazy is there was a lot of stuff that I didn't do in there, which is good. Um, 
because I couldn't show it in my next fight and probably the fight after. So, yeah, man, it's great. Yeah, you know, it was good. Um, yeah, was that fight, did Liam Taylor, what was the situation with Liam Taylor? Did he pull out of that fight initially? Was it was it UV Liam Taylor and then and then Luther Clay yeah. came involved? Uh, no, so first it was Luther Clay and then um, after Luther Clay, I was supposed to fight in November and on the Billy Joe Saunders undercard. Okay. Um, my management team put me up for the to fight for the British title when when Conor Ben and Chris Jenkins didn't happen. And they said, no, nah, it's a bit too soon, but we can get you in to fight for the eliminator. So it was me and Liam Taylor that was pushed to fight for the eliminator. Um, obviously, he pulled out with no reason whatsoever. He just said he just didn't want to fight me. So, um, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, okay. So even that, I should have just went on to fight McKinson. I should have fought him in December, but obviously once my management team put me through for the British, I think that was the aim. So when he didn't, when he pulled out, um, they was thinking of getting someone else. And then next thing you know, weeks have gone by and then there's two weeks left. No one really wanted to take the fight on a two weeks notice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Apart from you, I imagine you you just stepped up if you had oh, two weeks notice. I would have definitely stepped up. I would, <laughs> I would have stepped up from four days notice to fight um, Marku. Yeah, that's uh, well, we'll come on to Marku in a bit, but yeah, he's, a, he's another. It's a bit of a stacked division you've got there. You've got loads of good fights. So obviously, we'll mm -hmm. talk about McKinson in a minute, but there's, yeah, there's some good fights out there, even if, you know, yeah, whatever happens, there's just so many. I'm looking forward to it, right? In, in the world, mm. British welterweight division. Sure. Um, so, what are your thoughts on going forward then, McKinson? How are you? What are your thoughts about him? His fight style, him, him as a person. Do you, you know, do you mm. know him? Uh, no, I don't know him. He's, he's a cool guy. Um, uh, we sparred back in 2017. I had three fights. He was fighting for his first title fight, um, so he was way more experienced than me awkward style um not the strongest of guys but um he's got that style which you have to figure out you know and that was my first time sparring a southpaw in years so i didn't even fight a southpaw within the last two years of that so i come back first time sparring a southpaw always hard but i got the hang of it as the rounds went on during the sparring so i remember that spar like it was yesterday and um yeah, that's why I took the fight because I know for sure I can beat him. And I know I can get the knockout as well. That's what's good to hear. That's what we like to hear. And uh, I probably can't tell us too much about your tactics going into the fight, but is there anything you can say? You're looking for the knockout, obviously. Well, the knockout will come. Um, I'm not going to go out there and look for it because sometimes when you go looking, you don't find, you know? So um, yeah. it's going to come naturally. Cool. And um, if you're if you're successful against McKinson, when then... I'm successful, <laughs> when you're say. successful, what do you yes. think? Uh, what's next? Like, there's so many there's so many opponents out there. Do you know what's next for you? What the um, what the path looks once, like? Once I beat him, then I'll be high in the WBO rankings. So, is there a point to go back down to fight? 
for the British title or do I go um, the European route, maybe face someone um, in the European rankings or maybe even fight for the European title against someone, then um, we can see, you know, but I'm all for moving up and I'm definitely going to be looking at maybe someone in some sort of world rankings, top 10 again, or maybe um, uh, the European title or the challenger of the European title. Yeah. So who was the European? It's Avanassian, right? He holds it now. Yeah, he holds it. But um, he's looking at moving back up to world level and I'm sure he will be fighting um, Daniel Yelusinov for the IBF uh, world title eliminator, which I've, I've, I've heard rumours about. So, um, yeah, I'm sure he's going to fight him. So he might uh, relinquish his uh, European belt. Yeah. So there's a fair amount riding on this fight then, isn't there? There's a, there's a, it will unlock a lot of doors, a lot of opportunities for you. You could do, you could go in different directions. For sure. Yeah. Um, and what about like your, like your legacy? Like you've got, you're, you're 28, it's probably like another 10 years or so in your mm-hmm. career as a fighter. You know, you could go on longer, like what's his name, Tyson did the other week. He could have been there, mm-hmm. you know, 55 and still fighting, but... <laughs> Who knows? Sure. But what's, <laughs> like your, what's, your, what's your goals? Like, what's your legacy that you want to leave in boxing? Uh, the goal is to, to uh, get to the top, purely to be a world champion, nothing less. Once I become a world champion, then I'll look to move up in different weight classes and fight for world titles then and become a multi-weight um, class world champion. So that's what I'm aiming to be, and I know I'll be that. Um, I believe in myself. I believe, I know, I work hard. So um, that's the aim. He's living your dream, Hussein. The world weight dream. The world weight dream, bro. The world weight dream. Out of uh, all the top world weights out there in the world right now, who would you mm-hmm. love to fight? Um, I'd love to fight them. Fight them all. You know, that's how uh, the the best do it. The best fight the best. So if it's Spence Crawford, whoever, even a Vician, um I heard Danny Garcia was moving up. Any any of the guys that say they call themselves the best, I would love to fight. Yeah, I think the problem with those guys is like they say they want to fight each other, but they don't, right? And that's why we're mm-hmm. hoping you push on and you break in because it feels like people like yourself say it, they talk the talk, but then they walk the walk as well. Uh, they just want to mm-hmm. take over. For sure, for sure. And that's my last three fights I've shown, you know, I haven't denied anybody. All I've tried to do is make fights happen. Um, try to make fights happen when I weren't fighting. That didn't happen. I come back. I only had one fight. One fight and um, put these guys, these guys closed the door again. I'm not interested in fighting me. But McKinson was very vocal. So I said, yeah, we've got to fight this guy. And I guess like one issue with boxing right now is everyone's got different titles and there's loads of different organizations like what what are your opinions on on so many different organizations and belts do you think there's too many or do you see it as an opportunity I think there should only be the four that's it there shouldn't be any more than that um and i think once you fight for one um they should all work together that um all the champions should face each other to work out who's the best and become undisputed and then move on so that's what I believe, you know, because there's loads of, of fighters and loads in, in different weight classes. 
I think once you have a world title, that should guarantee you to fight for the other three and then um, try to become undisputed. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it does need a bit of regulation like that because like you said, like Terence Crawford, Errol Spence, everyone wants to see that fight, but that fight's like unlikely to happen anytime soon. And like, mm-hmm. we're hoping that someone like, like a boxer from Britain, hopefully, someone like yourself can go up and you know mix it up in that division, get some good fights going on because it's a bit stale, that division. There's lots of fighters up there, but they're not willing to fight each other. So it does, something does need to change or some boxer you know, needs to go up in that division and say, look, I'm ready to fight. Who wants it? Yeah, for sure. And I want to be the man to do that. You know, I will be the man to do that. Um, so I just got to continue doing what I'm doing, continue to work. And like I said, it's my time now. I'm here to take over. Nice. A, a bit of a random question for me. Like you spoke about you love sparring, right? How has like <laughs> has COVID impacted the availability of sparring partners or, or trainers or that kind of thing? Has it halted your progress at all? Um. Not really. I've been able to get sparring partners and be able to spar. You know, like this camp, I've been sparring Josh Taylor, which is good. He's fighting for the undisputed to become undisputed, which I know he will. And um, yeah, I'm always able to get sparring partners. People that are serious about this sport will always stay ready. So you've been able to stay active and stay sharp? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's all about, that's the problem. I think activity is the issue that we're seeing. Like we probably saw um, um, Josh Warrington against Maurizio Lara. And uh, Mm -hmm. there's been a few upsets recently that have been down to lack of activity, right? You're lucky, I think you fought in, uh, when was the Luther Clay fight? August. August, yeah. So I guess you're relatively fresh, but the activity is key, isn't it? Especially for a boxer, whereas footballers, they they play football week in week out right and that's yeah. that's like that's them keeping fit that's like their equivalent of sparring right you don't mm-hmm. need to have like a camp whereas boxers need the camp to kind of get fit um yeah. so i think that's that's key isn't it why i just you know if I, if I were you and it looks like you're doing it just keep boxing whatever happens just keep boxing literally man that's me i'm always in the gym yeah yeah um well I guess best of luck for the fight. Thank you. Thank you, guys. When did, you, when did your camp end? Camp's pretty much ended. We're just ticking over now. Today's yeah. the last spot, so we're going to do about six rounds. That's it. We don't need any more. We don't need to push no more. We've already pushed before. I ain't going to get any fitter, so I'm good. Nice. What's your What's your prediction? Are you allowed to tell us when you're going to take yeah, him up? My prediction is a knockout. I, I never... Never put a, a round on it, but I just know this guy is going to get knocked out. He's getting stopped. Well, we now that we've spoken to you, me and Hussein, when, when we do a little podcast afterwards, we're going to have to put a number on it, right? So, so <laughs> we might have to stop record here and then off the record get a get a number so that we can put some bets at the at the bookies. <laughs> yeah, but I personally yeah. don't think he'll be able to handle that South London jab, and I think it's just going to wear him out for sure. Yeah, I think Hussein was quite happy because he's from South of the River as well. So he's got first interview with someone oh, from South South London. Yeah, no worries, man. Representing. I'm, I'm here for you guys, man. After the fight, just give me a shout. <laughs> cool. All right. Best of luck, Chris, and we'll uh, look forward to the fight. All right, then. Thank you, guys. Good luck, man. Good. Thank you, bro.
So that was the the first Cornerman interview with uh, none other than Too Slick Chris Congo. He's a nice guy, isn't he? He's a top guy, man. But he had a lot. He had a lot to talk about. He opened up quite a bit. Confident but humble at the same time. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. It was good to actually talk to, um, as we said, we've mentioned in the podcast before that we've tried to get um, up and coming boxers, prospects on the on the podcast. So it was good to actually talk to somebody and give us a bit of insight into their journey to, to where they are now. And he's, you know, well, well, he's not world level, but close to world level, even though his, uh, his belt strap says global, global world to wait. Global superstar, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think one big thing I took away from it was uh, his discussion about turning pro and him talking about the decision-making process and the people involved. I think there's a misconception that people just stumble into boxing and decide one night, oh, they want to turn pro and they, they either win or they lose. But I think it, it, he talked about how it was quite a long decision, how his parents were against it and he had to kind of convince them. Uh, and that was an interesting perspective to explore. Yeah, it's because um, it's a gamble, isn't it? You risk missing out on a few years of your life when you could be at university, and instead you take a gamble to go professional. And there's no guarantee, right? There's, I mean, there's no guarantee with anything, but this is it's quite a gamble. And he kind of seems seems to have gone all in with the whole um, branding side of things. Um, you know, he looks like he's got a good team behind him. Obviously, with Dillian White, so it looks like he's starting on good foundations. Bro, do you remember being that age and how stressful it was thinking about uni and A-level choices and shit? Can you imagine, like, yeah. deciding to do something completely different that's a lot more risky? Like, it takes a lot of mental mental strength, man. Like, I had sleep this night, so I thinking about university degrees and shit. Yeah, it's probably... Um, it's either that, sleepless, night, sleepless nights over thinking about a degree... Or sleepless nights over thinking about getting knocked out in front of you know <laughs> thousands of fans. <laughs> exactly. I know which well, one I'd choose. Paid. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know which one you did choose. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's a. What I quite like about him is he's he's not afraid of the trash talk, but he's he's like quite humble uh, and confident, quite quietly confident. He's not, you know, he's no. Um, uh, Who's the guy that Anthony Joshua was supposed to fight? He's like the opposite end of the spectrum before. The American guy. Yeah, the American guy. Uh, what Shan- was his name? Shannon Briggs? Is it Shannon Briggs? No. Oh, yeah, okay. Old... Shannon Briggs is an equivalent. But... <laughs> uh, oh, the guy that took the drugs. Oh, I can't remember his name. That's going to bug me now. He like failed like 20 drug tests. Oh, uh, yeah. But I get what you mean. Like, he's he's got a personality. Um, and he, he does trash talk, but he does it in a respectful way, I feel like. Like, I was trying to suck out a bit of McKinson trash talk, right? But he was really respectful, respected his quality, but he just believes in himself a bit more. Like, we talked about Marku and Josh Taylor. He didn't really debunk their boxing skills at all. He just said that he was better. And I like yeah. it. Yeah, I think um, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of... Um... Uh, good fights to happen in the, the in the British welterweight scene, let alone the global welterweight scene. So we named some of the names, didn't we? Conor Ben, Florian Marku, Josh Kelly, uh, and there's a few others. Um, so there's lots of good fights to happen. And obviously, if they were to step to world level, fringe world level, there's lots of good fights there as well. So it's crowded, but it's exciting. And if he's, um, you know, from what I've seen on like his previous fights, the Luther Clay fight and 
and and that I think he's got the skills and talent but it's just about probably for him it's probably about matchmaking I think getting the right fights getting the right um at the right time it's probably going to be key for him yeah I think I think time is on his side though I think you said something like he's got 10 years left he probably does um and I guess the only thing we we want to do is we want to see more right we want to see a bit more of his punch and variation and that kind of stuff but he alluded to it he said that you know the more um top class opponents he fights the more of him you'll see so um i hope he pushes on yeah more to come more to see and i think best of luck to him and the fight in with mckinson next week um so we didn't get a prediction from him for a round but it's only uh, right if we do our predictions so uh, what are you thinking uh i'm thinking a late stoppage uh, eight nine i'm gonna go eight I think that's when he's going to stop him. I think his jab is too snappy. He's a very disciplined boxer. He won't lose his shape or his or his strategy. Um, and I think McKinson will will tire out. He'll get a bit more sloppy, and uh, we'll see a hook of some sort. Yeah, I think he's just as his name is. He's too slick. He's no. He knows how to counter. He knows how to slip, and he knows how to um, deal with fighters like McKinson I forgot the name of the guy there was a guy he fought that had a big like really big mohawk um I've seen recently but he's he's very much I wouldn't say he's like McKinson but he's rugged and was out to sort of take his head off so he knows how to deal with rugged fighters um not sure about the whole southpaw thing maybe that's going to cause him problems but he mentioned that he's had some sparring in so you know he's probably probably ready for it I'd, I'd go with similar a similar um prediction as well late stoppage for for congo or points I, i'm probably leaning more towards points there's always congo. a caveat with you in it caveat i've got to be right so i've got to spread my bets <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> go go all in or go home <laughs> okay well i guess that's it from us we'll um we'll come back uh, after the rumble on the rock with a review of the card and then we'll look forward to whatever's next Um, There's so much, so much to look forward to afterwards, so uh, we'll have uh, a lot to talk about.